I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done that. I, it was wrong to kiss you. Zeno, the gummit. You're right. Lock the gummit. You might remember me from the cab. Remember? Bada boom. Big bada boom. 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 Big bada boom in the cab. Here, look. Like I drive a cab. This is me. Corbin Dallas. Corbin. You understand? Here. You take it. Go ahead. You can call me when you learn how to speak English. Mm -hmm. oh, uh, just kidding. Kidding. <laughs> and you, uh, what is your name? You. Corbin. Good. That's... That whole thing's your name, huh? Do you have a, uh, a shorter name? Not yeah, 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 yeah. Ooh, short. Welcome to Smoking and Drinking in Space. This is a sci-fi podcast from a couple guys who think they know sci-fi. This week, we're going to discuss an all-time favorite sci-fi space opera with a literal space opera in it from the mind of Luc Besson, starring Mila Jovovich, Bruce Willis, and Gary Oldman. It's 1997's The Fifth Element. Yeah, it is. But first, we're going to go over some sci-fi news. Uh, what do you got this week? Not a thing. Not a thing. That's that's awesome. I got a few things. Let's hear it. Uh, so it, it turns out that one of the original Back to the Future 2 pairs of Nikes are on sale right now. Really? Yeah. The only problem is... Do they self-tie? Uh, well, no. They probably don't actually self-tie like the, uh, the new pair that they kind of re-released. But one of the major problems that they're having with them right now is that all the rubber and plastic on them is deteriorating. It's like falling well, to yeah. dust. Sure, yeah. Oh, it looks Same like Same thing shit. happened to my LeSabre. <laughs> yeah. It's a 63 LeSabre, man. What the hell? Oh, man. You remember the carpet they used to put in the back windshields of those things? And after, oh, yeah. you know, like a decade of direct sunlight, it would just basically turn to dust if you touched it. So then you had all this look like fiberglass dust floating through the cabin of the car if somebody rubbed their hand it on the was, back. It was American fiberglass. Right. <laughs> I wonder how much of that it was actually asbestos. Hey, man, it's got best in it. That's right. That makes it Can't the best. Be Can't A be best OS. Well, I just so, looked up your story. It says they're going for 90K. $97,000. Jeez. Yeah. Expensive for <laughs> for rotting shoes. But, I mean, it is a collector's item, so... Can you actually feel the fox from Michael J. in there when you wiggle your toes? Oh, I bet. Fox lined. <laughs> I, think the, I think the article that I read said that you, you if you lift up the shoe, their sole actually separates from the rest of the shoe. Oh, <laughs> so you damn. couldn't actually put it on. 
Right. Oh man, yeah. So unfortunately, that's a a set of Americana or some memorabilia that's probably not going to last too much longer. Well, I did find a piece of news, a little on-the-fly research. What's that? Apparently, CBS is offering up a James T. Kirk straight bourbon whiskey. What better news to be heard on smoking and drinking in space than a new really? whiskey? Who, who's distilling that? This is on Sci-Fi Wire. It says that uh, CBS Consumer Products and Silver Screen Bottling Company have teamed up to unveil the James T. Kirk Straight Bourbon Whiskey, the first spirit to be released under the new Star Trek branded spirits line. So we wow. should be looking forward to getting all kinds of stuff like Romulan Ale and Andorian Whiskey. Right. So now fans can boldly go on adventures without leaving their recliners. Nice. That's the line there from the article. Uh, let's see. It's gonna so when's be it going to be available for consumption? Because San Diego you know, Comic Con, July nineteenth through the twenty second, for sixty dollars, sixty bucks a bottle. So that's that's doable. Yeah. So they've actually, I mean, because bourbon has to like age, so they must yeah. have started that shit like several years ago. More than likely. Anticipation. More than likely. Yeah. Wow, they kept that under wraps because I hadn't heard anything about it. Each bottle has hints of caramel. Uh, Asian five spice and pecans. So we're guessing it tastes far better than Romulan ale. Ha, ha, ha. What a witticism. What a witticism. That's a pretty cool article there. Yeah. I like that. This was contributed by James Comtrolls. Or no, I'm sorry, Comtroy. Comtroy. James Comtroy, July 2nd, 2018 on this article. So yeah. Thank you, James. I like your style of writing. Wonder if it's a limited run, if it's going to be hard to get. Because I'm actually yeah. kind of interested in trying it. I I enjoy yeah, a decent yeah. bourbon every now and then. Oh well, I'm an Irish whiskey man myself. Oh, I love the Irish whiskey. Me and Jameson, we're friends. <laughs> Little Jamie. Although I tried some scotch. I am not a huge scotch. Fan. I threw it away. I was at my local package store, place where you want to stop for all the parties. And uh, they had a three, <laughs> they had a three bottle sampler for like fourteen dollars, right there at the front. Had a twelve year old bottle, a fourteen year old bottle, and an eighteen year old bottle. Just those little bitty airport bottles, right in the pack. Bought it, and I have to tell you, the twelve year old was okay. Pretty rough. <laughs> it would get you through. Yeah, and they got progressively worse from there. Really? Because typically the aging kind of mellows it out. Oh, no. It just got, by the time I got, the the 18-year-old tasted like Ronsonol. It was, ugh, I don't know. Maybe it's better if you dip a good cigar in it or something or some Fig Newtons. I don't know. (laughs) What what scotch did you get? Oh, you would ask. I threw them away. I literally just had enough to wet the tongue like you taught me. Right. And, And I just chunked them. But it was a solid black little box with a red label and uh what you who's it like a like a seal that used to put on scrolls uh-huh with a signet ring impression i couldn't tell you but it was it was a good name it was not cheap scotch this was good scotch was it johnny walker was it no no i would have recognized johnny walker no, i mm. want to say it started with the letter t 
but um, don't hold me to that. But anyway, yeah, scotch is not my thing. I'm I'm not I'm not understanding why everybody gets so wound up on scotch. I've had I think one good scotch that I I liked okay, um, but the rest of it either yeah tastes like lighter fluid, or I had one scotch that tasted like a fucking campfire. Whoa! Yeah, it was weird. It was really weird, and I swear to God, it made me sick. But well, I found a sipping tequila. In fact, if you want to do some master editing and give me about 15 seconds, I can grab it and tell you the actual name. It's an import, mm-hmm. and this is as smooth a tequila as Jameson is a whiskey. Wow. That's impressive, because tequila is usually can, pretty rough shit. Can we do a 15-second? Go for it. All right. Okay. The tequila. Now, I'm not going to lie. When this was recommended to me by the manager of the of the store i didn't want to buy it because the bottle i felt like i lost some man points buying this bottle why it's long and ruby red with gold highlights (laughs) does it look like a stick of lipstick well, there's that, and I swear to God, it looks like there's a penis on the back of the label. <laughs> In fact, I'm going to send you a picture. So, penis tequila. Penis tequila. Oh, and this picture's it's, going on the website. It's on Añejo tequila. Añejo, okay. Añejo. And uh, it is tequila Coralejo. And okay. this, Haven't heard is, of this is some good... Good shit. Okay, there's a front shot, and then on the back, which I also think is a bit of a Freudian thing, (laughs) you get the penis. So, let's send this to you via the 21st century mode of communication. Oh, yes, and it will be attached to the episode on the website. First shot will be the back. And we'll get the front shot here. So if you want to see the penis tequila, make sure to go to smokinganddrinkinginspace.com. Now, I got to tell you, once you get past the bottle and my adolescence humor towards the back, this is probably the best tequila I've tasted so far in my life. It has a very smooth, almost imperceptible burn and has a very nice vanilla finish. Oh, that sounds good. It is really good. And although it looks like it's a screw top, ladies and germs, no, no, no. This is a cork that comes out of the bottle and it is an import from Mexico. Encho in Mexico. This is some good stuff. Cool. Yeah, I'll have to give that a try. Yeah, it's only a 40 percenter by volume. But, yeah, they've got a couple of different uh, versions out of, of this. I got the red bottle. She said this was the good stuff. It was only $2 less than, uh, I want to say I paid 52 or $53 for this bottle. But, uh, I mean, it's up there on the same level as uh, your Patron's. So it's a top or second shelf tequila? Oh yeah, I mean, unless you're going to start getting into the into the Lambos of tequila, this would be a top shelf. Yeah, 
This is a top shelf. This is not well. This is not what we got at my bachelor party. Yeah. <laughs> or was that vodka? They that were was vodka. That was watered down piece of shit vodka. Right. That's okay. Last night at the at the concert, I ordered a Long Island iced tea, and I didn't know you could do a Long Island iced tea with one shot. Now you can't. <laughs> but it was different. It oh, looked like a Long Island there's like, iced tea. There's like, what, four different liquors in a Long yeah, Island iced there's, tea. There's, yeah, there's like four shots. Yeah, this was a shot of something and something out of the water spigot and some ice, and I'm like, seriously? Okay. <laughs> Sounds like they didn't know how to make a Long Island iced tea. Right. Or they didn't okay. want yeah, to I'd like to have a cosmopolitan. Why does my cosmopolitan look and taste like a Roman Coke? <laughs> so uh, I've got two more things. Um, rumor has it that the Star Trek uh, Tarantino movie uh, is going to st- uh, star the Kelvin crew, the the Chris Pine, <sighs> Zachary Quinto pr- crew. I like uh, them. That's Zoe good. Saldana. Yeah, all of them. So... That'll be really interesting. Uh, right now, he's it's a with a screenwriter getting written based off of uh, Tarantino, you know, writing out the story, and and he hands that off to a screenwriter to finalize it. So, so that should be a pretty interesting project if that if that actually that rumor actually comes true. So, I don't know if a lot of our listeners are aware of this, but there was a television show called Chips on in the late 70s, early 80s. Yeah, there was a movie reboot, too. And uh, Chris Pine, his dad, was the commanding officer of the Chips unit. Oh, shit. Is that his dad? That's his dad. Chris Pine grew up playing around with Eric Estrada. Oh, I didn't, real- I didn't realize that was his dad. Yeah. The, the, he had the longer hair, but balding yeah. with the blue eyes. Yeah, that's his yeah. dad. Yeah. Oh, wow. He doesn't look hardly anything like his dad. He does in the eyes. The eyes are very similar, but that's where it stops. <laughs> wow, I wouldn't have picked him out of a lineup as Me his dad. Me neither. So. Me neither. That's amazing. All right, my final piece of news is there's a reboot of Stephen King's Firestarter in the works. Really? I enjoyed that book and movie. Yeah. Is so. it just me, or does it seem like Hollywood lately isn't being very original? Yeah, I mean, it's been going on for a while. It's not just lately. It's been several years. I like, In fact, I like uh, some of these reboots, but why not just come up with some new? Yeah, there, there's a lot of revivals. There's a lot of reboots. There's a lot of uh, nostalgia movies. Um, there's, it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of new intellectual property. And I'm wondering if maybe some of that isn't just economics. Uh, it's easier to create stuff for an already established franchise. Um, and obviously there's a market for it because they wouldn't be making it if there wasn't a market for it. So maybe it's our generation. Maybe our generation just has this awful nostalgia bug where we want all the things from our childhood and uh, don't want anything that, new. That may be. I just I keep seeing all these, you know, reboots and everything. Yeah, no. I'm just like, what? You know? Uh, yeah, I see it too. So, Well, it's so. like at the concert last night. I'm watching one of the bands and they were doing their own stuff and it was good. And then for some reason they reached into the satchel and pulled out Youth Gone Wild. 
<laughs> wow. Oh, the crowd went ape shit. Oh, they loved it, but I'm just like, well, they went... What was the they, average age of the crowd? Well, that's the thing. It was very eclectic. I saw 10-year-olds running around, and I saw geriatrics. There was one couple that had to be in their mid to late 60s. And Grandma had on a spiked leather dog collar. They were wearing Metallica Master of Puppet concert t-shirts, and these were not the ones you get at, at the store. I mean, these were... They look like they'd been worn to many concerts. Yeah. So, so, yeah, I mean, it was a real eclectic group. No fights. It was a good night, a good time had by all. But, yeah, they brought out Youth Gone Wild, and I'm just, I mean, the crowd just were losing their shit. And I'm like, well, <laughs> it's a good song, but I want to hear is. you. Right, right. I couldn't I don't, even I tell don't you mind. the name of the band that did that. I don't That's mind bands row. doing covers. Well, yeah, but I mean... I don't know. They only played five or six songs the whole night because there was like a, a pretty big list. Of Gone bands. wild. That may have been Skid Row. Yep, that was Skid Row. Cool, man. I dusted that off from somewhere. Yeah. Got all of those synapses firing. Well, three or four. <laughs> Had a couple of beers last. That's night. all those synapses. Hey, hey I got a couple oh. in reserve. <laughs> all, all right. right so fifth the fifth element. The fifth element. So. uh you like this movie? You know, on a scale of 1 to 10, this one goes to 11. <laughs> you ready for the pod crawl? Crawl me, baby. We call it, I don't know, say a pod crawl? The pod crawl! Pod crawl! Pod crawl! Pod crawl! Excellent! Insert it deep! Pod crawl! Kind of like a space suppository full of information. Racing, speeding, zooming through space, following a trail of cosmic turds, Luke Besson really wants you to know this was his film. A crusty old archaeologist schools Dylan McKay in hieroglyphs as a priest grabs a young boy. A steampunk Nautilus <laughs> ship lands and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in full power armor and a headlight on their dicks emerge to bring the key to unlock the chamber of the perfect being. <laughs> 300 years later, we see the military still has no sense of humor as they probe a big black ball. <laughs> the priests of Devo sit in and on President Tiny's big black ball briefing. High Priest Bilbo introduces the big black ball as a concentration of pure evil and that probing Bilbo. big black balls of evil might not be the best idea. The big black ball retaliates and big black jizzes in return. Blonde John McClain wakes up from a nightmare to discover he's living in a nightmare, and Chris Tucker mesmerizes <laughs> his cat. High Priest Bilbo gives the president a Bible study. This sausage fest of a movie finally gets some ass-kicking estrogen injected as they 3D print the perfect weapon. Uh -huh. McClain, hiding out as cabbie Corbin Dallas, takes on an unexpected fare. In the future, all restaurants are McDonald's. <laughs> Dallas brings his new friend to High Priest Bilbo, who faints at the sight of a girl. Dallas gets a Me Too translation and shown the door as Lilu eats for 20. Redneck flock of seagulls Zorgs flexes his sales skills as he negotiates a deal worth dying for. High Priest Bilbo gives Zork a clap on the back and blows his chance to end the movie early. The president and his military are looking for the stones to fight the big black ball. Meet Popsicle Dallas wins a contest and gets called back into service and then gets mugged again. Yeah. An impeccably dressed Ruby Rod with an unfortunate wig MCs the boarding procedure and Bilbo stows away. 
The big black ball, a.k.a. Mr. Shadow, makes a long-distance phone call. Dallas and Lilu make the journey to paradise and take in a show. It seems the diva eats stones for breakfast, probably mistook them for grape nuts. <laughs> Dallas digs deep and grabs the stones. Corbin McLean blows up the hopper house, shows his own negotiating skills, and he, Lilu, and the rod head back to the earth. Zorg is shown the definition of irony and gets his just desserts. The big black ball decides it wants something done right and races to Earth. Lilu does a Google search for war. John Dallas and High Priest Bilbo play Tomb Raider, set up the ultimate weapon, and figure out the riddle that activates the stones. Corbin John Dallas McLean then activates the final element of love as Lilu vomits light all over Mr. Shadow. Lilu and David Dallas Addison have sexy times in the 3D printer and roll credits. Hell yeah. Absolutely the big black ball. The big black ball of evil. Evil. <laughs> evil. Yeah, this show is... every. The first thing that popped into my mind when I saw this was the animated movie Heavy Metal. Yeah, yeah, I can kind of see similarities to that. You got the evil ball. You got the cab driver. You got I about mean, the same costume on the heroine. About the same level of technology, too. <laughs> yeah, so this this movie and it it I don't think it struck me on any of the previous viewings and there have been many of this movie. It's it's one of my go-tos to just turn on and and veg out to. Right. I don't think it's really it really sank in how many guys there are on this movie and how few women there are. I think I counted 3. Well, no, 4. So there's Lilu, the protagonist or well Kind of one of the protagonists. She's more of a protagonist damsel in distress most of the time. Right. Uh, then you've got uh, Zorg's de- uh, secretary. Yeah. Uh, you've got the diva. And then you've got one of diva's assistants. Well, and don't forget about the flight attendants, my God. Well, How yeah, the, the I mean, the, the, the flight attendants were, were there, but I mean, they were background noise. I mean, Smokey's in there checking the landing gear. <laughs> Yes, he was. He was definitely matching the carpet to the drapes. Yes. Oh. Okay, sorry. Had a moment. I'm good. I'm back. <laughs> Flying the friendly skies. So yes, this is this is one of my uh, this is one of my favorite sci-fi flicks, and it's not because it's just exceptionally made. Although the visuals in this are really good, especially for oh. the time. Yes. I mean. The, the special effects for, for 1997 were really, really good. And I like that this is a sci-fi movie that's not, you know, super dark and gloomy. It's it's very bright. Uh, there's a lot of light in it. Um, you do have a few dark spots, but for the most part, everything is well lit. So you can see everything, which I think is yeah, awesome definitely. for a movie I mean, that has such visuals. One of the things that irritates me is you like, like I remember when I watched, uh, there was a, a sci-fi movie I enjoyed watching called Event Horizon. Yes. It's kind of like Hellraiser in space. Oh, shit. Which, we need to put that on the list. Hold on. Which Hellraiser did actually do, much to my chagrin. But um, if you go past the first two Hellraiser movies, I really think you're wasting your time. Just my own personal blob. But... Anyway, um, it's I did like it when things are so dark you really can't see things. So yeah, that's a big point with me. Also, I think what sells this to me is the fact that 
the actors do a good job. I mean, a lot of times when you go back to like the 60s with the original Star Trek, it was their acting that carried the sci-fi more than the special effects and the makeup and all that. I mean, it was it was the talent. And we have a lot of talent. This movie we do. oozes talent. And I mean, Gary Oldman doing something that does not take him seriously, really, is refreshing. It's fun. <laughs> it's it's so, like that sherbet at the end of a rich meal, you know? So interesting, and, interesting story about Gary Oldman in this movie. Um, so he played in Luc Besson's uh, Leon the Professional. Mm-hmm. Which came out several years before this movie. Great movie. One of my one of my favorites. Um he took the role for this movie without even reading the script. So Luc Besson helped finance one of his movies uh from a year or two before. Mm-hmm. And basically this was him kind of repaying the favor back. to a to a friend. But uh from what I've read, Gary Oldman does not like this movie. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. But see, I think that's probably one of the things that opened up people looking at him for, uh, oh, God. Uh, he, I'm drawing a blank on it. Um, uh, uh, Give me a context clue. What's the name of this? Gotham. I couldn't remember the name of Batman City. Gotham, oh, okay. Where he's playing uh, Commissioner. Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. Gordon, yeah. I mean, this. Yeah, it may not be the best movie. I mean, look at look at well, uh, Sir I Alec think... Guinness and Star Wars. I mean, Alec Guinness was just flagrantly opposed to people thinking of him as Obi Wan Kenobi. But that movie saw to his retirement. Sorry. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, I mean, I think Goldman had established his bona fides before he was in the Batman movies. No, 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 no. I'm not saying his bona fides. I'm talking about broadening. I mean, I wouldn't have thought about him in something like this. I've seen him in, in the classic serious work. Well, but he was in Dracula before this. That's still, that was real dark, real serious. Eh, yeah, I guess so. This is campy. This is fun. Yeah, that's true. I would like to see Gary Oldman and Tarantino do something. Oh, yeah. Has I he? think that would work well. I and I would not have thinking. thought about it until this movie. I don't think they've been on anything together i don't believe they have but i could easily see his royalty his royal highness tarantino getting with mr oldman and making something epic yeah yeah that would be a that would be a nice matchup it's it's just you know at the same time a similar a similar setup totally not nearly on the same quality level but when Michael Caine got roped in to be on an Austin Powers movie, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Michael Caine is amazing, you know, and to see him in an Austin Powers movie and he owned that shit, man. Oh, yeah, he did. He was I'm uh, just like, he damn, was definitely yeah. a highlight of that movie. Heck, yeah. So absolutely. Yeah, I think that I mean, obviously, his chops had been well established by this point, but I think it just opened up a genre of material that we wouldn't really consider and also gives us license to think about like what you and I just brainstormed Tarantino and Oldman getting together on something. Yeah. So this is good. So yeah, there were a lot of good actors. This is one of Mila Jovovich's first First. roles. Um, and she beat out a lot of people to, to get this role. 
Um, of course, Bruce Willis had been well established before this, and he, of course, plays Bruce Willis in this movie. Yeah, so, he has what I like to call Jack Nicholson disease. Yeah, it's it's a rare movie that he doesn't play Bruce Willis. I think uh, The Sixth Sense is one that I would consider he doesn't play Bruce Willis. Uh, Bonfire of the Vanities, I would think he doesn't play Bruce Willis. Um, uh, Death Becomes Her, he actually played. Yeah, not that Bruce one Willis. was not Bruce Willis. Yeah. You're right. That one was definitely not Bruce Willis. But yeah, for those of you who might be going, what the hell's Red talking about? Jack Nicholson <laughs> disease is based upon the great, amazing actor Jack Nicholson. Every movie Jack Nicholson is in, he plays Jack Nicholson. Right. Every single movie. And there are actors that do that. Whatever movie they're in, they're playing themselves in that movie. The name may change. The situation may change, but they are themselves. Some actors do not have Jack Nicholson disease. Example, the namesake Jack Nicholson always plays himself. An example of somebody who does not have Jack Nicholson disease, Tom Hanks. Right, right. So yeah, Tom not Hanks that, is, is a Tom Hanks is definitely not Tom Hanks in every movie. Right. Um, but see, it's it's one of those situations where now do not think for a minute when I say somebody has Jack Nicholson disease, they are not an amazing actor or actress. That is not what I'm saying. It's just they've got a shtick. They've got a certain modus operandi that they, that they incorporate that works for them and works well. And we all want to see that. I mean, Nicholson puts out a movie. I'm going to go see it. I'm absolutely going to go see it. But the thing is, when you get actors of this quality and something that something this campy, it's it's fun. Well, I mean, we've got we've got people. I mean, you got Tiny Zeus Lister as the president of Earth. I know. I mean, yeah. I kept I kept waiting to see him shake down Smokey in this movie. <laughs> Smokey, I forgot they were in Friday together. That's right. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Oh yeah. And that was that was right around this time too. Yes it was. Oh wow. Talk about a blast from the past. No, I think it's the difference between, you know, Tom Hanks where he he shapes a, the character to like his his vision of what that character is whereas mm-hmm. Jack Nicholson kind of shapes the character to what he is. He he morphs the character into himself and, and Mhm. I guess it's just a different perspective. Yeah, absolutely. But no, it's a great movie. I particularly enjoyed the the little, I'd just call them little gems that the different actors throw out and how they own their own characters. Oh, yeah. So the, uh, the line in, uh, when Bruce Willis is, uh, Corbin's character is, is, running away from the police in the taxi cab. And he goes, uh, listen, lady, I only speak two languages, English and bad English. That was an ad lib that they kept in the movie. Oh, really? Yeah, that was nice. That was fun. So, I mean, it's, it's not a, it's not a deep thinking movie by any stretch of the imagination. And it's of course has, you know, Luke Besson's general formula for an action movie where you have, a central lead female character that kicks ass. Although this female character didn't really kick as much ass as, as his movies normally depict. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, 
like uh, La Femme Nikita, and I think the most recent is Lucy, uh, his films like that. So uh, it's a, it's definitely a typical Luc Besson film, but uh, it's generally an all around good film. I, I I like it for its sci fi elements. I thought it was well written. Not a whole lot of plot holes, although um, Corbin Dallas's mystery shredding uh, sleeve shredding abilities i really want to explore that yeah well that and i also really enjoyed the um just the background of the movie does that make sense it's like everything behind it it wasn't just somebody standing in front of of a of a blue screen type thing i mean there was activity and stuff going on in the background oh yeah so there's a there's a huge attention to detail and and i think that's that's a trademark of all of his movies. There's a lot of stuff going on in the background that on subsequent watches, you, you really notice and it, it's, yeah, it you catch out, things, so. you see things and it's like you're, you see it the first time around. And I hope, I think that's what helps draw the viewer into the film really because it seems more real. Right. But absolutely, this movie is tops with me. It's definitely part of the must-have in your sci-fi collection, for certain. And I, you know, I just wish we need to get those pills for the microwave, though. Because oh, I know. And it's good. I just want something that I throw in the microwave for like a second and pile pops a fully cooked chicken. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what kind of genetic master chicken race that they've perfected 300 years in the future but that would be jurassic park jurassic farms hey yes that was a huge chicken too man that thing was the size of a a decent sized turkey holy crap stuffing and everything and that was not her first i know (laughs) she emptied the bones from her first carcass well hell man i mean she got reconstituted from a fucking hand (laughs) girls gotta grow but absolutely wonderful. Love the film. Not a problem with it. Everything made perfect sense. I loved how uh, his bed is self-making. Yeah, I need That's one of those. something that I think a lot of teenagers wish they had. Self-making <laughs> bed. And I'm sure <laughs> mom and dad would like to see them made into the bed. Like his commanding officer did. That was fun. I love his doting mother. Mm-hmm. And what about tie to order at your window? Oh heck yeah, yeah! Could I want not be the shit. I want some some dude in a junk to come up to my window and and serve me personal like red curry. Yeah, that would be awesome. Oh yes, chicken tie red curry. Yes, yes, yes. With some satay. Mmm, mmm, mmm. That would be the bomb. And, of course, there's the inevitable, you got to keep the points off your license. (laughs) Are there some states that still do that? I think so, yeah. I think California and New York still do points on the license. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure how that works. Well, apparently, if uh, you fly your car between buildings and get it shot up by the cops, you lose a point. point. (laughs) It's, It's like in the military. That's a gig. What happens if you lose all your points? You just don't get to drive anymore? How do you get them back? Uh, I think if you get all your points taken away, you get your license suspended, and then you got to like go to class or something to get them back. 
Oh. Get like a probationary license, and then after a certain amount of time without any kind of incidents, then you get a few points earned back. Yeah, I probably... I don't know that I would have a license anymore. Yeah, I, I, I don't know about that either, but still, it must work for some people. I kind of like that, though. And the cigarettes, man. We got it all here. We got drinking. We got smoking. Smoking, yep. The filters, I think I could do without. I'm a filterless man myself. Well, the filters take up the majority of the cigarettes, apparently, 300 Which years is in the, the future. issue I got. <laughs> we even have like a little bit of a hippo in this movie. We do. We do. I liked how his uh, his cigarette, I guess, his cigarette distribution system said, quit smoking. Yeah. <laughs> well, in Europe, they put, like, you know, metastasized cancerous lungs on the sides of the packs. Right. I thought they did that here. No. They uh, tried to do it, and we said no. Oh. Yeah, I thought Apparently they were... It's uh, just not popular. Yeah, for some reason, I thought they did that here, too. They put, like... Yucky, gross teeth and tumors. They were going to. They were going to. And it wasn't going to slow me down. I mean, well, yeah. I, roll, I roll my own, so they, they'd have a whole can. They could put a mural on there. I wouldn't give a shit. Well, I mean, there's there's this whole industry of people that, you know, put their cigarettes in pack cases anyway. So, All right, so what else do you like? I really enjoyed those weird-looking turd orcs. Yeah, they were fun. Just about a just about smart enough not to shoot themselves, but yeah. Right. And I got a kick out of their weapon systems. That's some gun. He got a pretty good one off that mugger at the beginning. Love the hat. Yeah, he loved the hat. Give me the like it. <laughs> Give me the case. <laughs> ah, tweakers. Yes. You got to love them no matter what era. But, yeah, I thought that that weapon that uh, he was uh, selling to those mercenaries was something else. But the uh, the Flashy memory bullets? Button. Yeah. That was pretty cool. I, I think the net was my favorite. You like the net? Yeah, I like the net. What about the rocket launcher? Uh, the net. The net's got I like it. the net. All right. But, yeah, there's some neat things. I mean, if one thing you can count on in any movie with sci-fi... Humans are going to have some neat pew pew. I like the models they used for their capital ships too. I thought that was nice and minimalistic. It showed them large, but they didn't have a whole bunch of shit that just hung off of it. Mm-hmm. Well, really, I mean, from what you've taught me, science and whatnot and all that math thing, math, I like math. I don't do well at math, but I like math. And, you know, you can make a ship any size in space. Any shape. Right. You know, you don't have resistance. So, well, yeah. I mean, but you have inertia. True, true. And you like, to... I remember when Star Trek first showed up with the Borg, all these ships were sleek from the different uh, races, and then you come up with this big, giant cube. Right. Very, very ominous. And so I think it kind of is a throwback to that you know i mean you can just make it any size any shape you want well almost any shape there's going to be some shapes that are more efficient than others if you have a ship with a whole bunch of like arms and shit coming off of it i mean you got to stabilize those arms because you've got a central point 
or wherever the engines are thrusting against, sure. well, that, that ship is going to move first. So anything that radiates out from that ship is going to have inertia. So and it's, that's it's not why Star Trek move. created inertia dampeners right. that never work, and they don't bother to put seatbelts on the bridge or anywhere else. Well, no, the inertial dampeners work. That's why they they can accelerate like they do, and nobody's like wall pizza. True, but they don't seem to work. Of course, they also have artificial gravity. Yeah. Without spinning or thrusting. Well, you can get that at Radio Shack. I mean, you know, hell, artificial gravity. <laughs> right. It comes in a spray bottle. <laughs> yeah. It's, what was that cable commercial? It said, it'll can it easy. <laughs> <laughs> I can fix this. just need a can of easy. But, of course, we also, you know, assuming that we know how to make water. I think they know how to make water. Yeah, they probably do. They probably they do. Don't know to, they don't know how to get sound out of a vacuum. <laughs> That's still in there. And I want, where do they hide the orchestra for all the music? Well, I mean, you could put speakers around for that, but I mean, she was the she was the uh, the star, and they were there for her voice. So, just the, the background music for the second part of that aria was it's soundtrack. Absolutely. Of course. That was amazing. That's one of my favorite parts of the movie. That is a really cool musical number. Yeah, except for the, the, the last part of that, that song where it gets kind of a more of a hip-hop beat. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's... The human voice doesn't move that fast. That was, there, out, that was digitized. There is an Asian singer, female that did a pretty close job on doing that live. Really? With a full orchestra. Yeah, uh, she's pretty amazing. I can do some research on the fly right quick and shoot you a link. She does a pretty darn good job. I know that the opera singer that got to dub that, um, she looked at the, the sheet music and said, yeah, I can't do this because, yeah. Nobody, nobody can transition pitches that fast. Okay, it is Jane Zong. Song, Jane Zong. I'm, yeah, I'm about to shoot you the link. She's the okay. one that does it. We'll throw that up on the uh, on the website as well. Smoking and drinking. There's your link, and she really does a pretty good job. Doesn't start singing until thirty nine sec thirty seven seconds in. Cool. So check that out, smoking and drinking in space.com. Yeah, it's uh, the, uh entitled The Diva Dance from the Fifth Element. Jane Zong. And she does a really good job. There's no artificial enhancements to this she has a full orchestra behind her i mean this is definitely a black tie affair she's in a lovely evening gown and absolutely there's no matter what you may think there is not a third lung with a bellows behind her pushing that out that's really her voice coming out of her pipes she is something else actually now that i think about it i'd like to see little miss jane here do something with tina guo the cellist from wonder woman Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would be something to see them pair up. 
But yeah, absolutely. So let's get to the awards. Who right. gets the Black Lung Award? My Black Lung Award goes to Mr. Corbin Dallas himself. Yes, yes, Corbin Dallas. All right. Although Ruby Rod could have could have gotten the award, he uh, he also lit up, but. Yeah, I think uh, Corbin Dallas smoked a little more than he did. So, well, he did, but also at the same time, you've got that whole genetic link back to Smokey. That's so true, there, but there, there, there could there could be an edge there. But he also renounced his smoking at the end and said, you know, I quit smoking. Although he didn't really quit smoking, he just quit. You know, well, uh-huh. he quit for what the fifteen minutes at the end of the movie. Well, yeah. It's like what was that movie? Oh God, uh, uh, Real Men, Real Men, not a sci-fi movie at all. You got Jim Belushi and John Ritter. John Ritter's one of my favorite comedian actors. I don't think I've seen that movie. Oh, it's amazing. Uh, long story short, uh, Jim Belushi is a CIA operative. John Ritter is your average Joe Q public. John Q public. And um, he gets recruited, much to his resistance, by Jim Belushi of the CIA because there are aliens approaching the Earth. So I guess we could do this movie. There are aliens involved. Okay, we'll put it on the list. All right, real men. Um, and the aliens said, okay, we're, we're here. We're making contact with humanity. You've got two choices. You can either receive... A gift from us in the form of the big gun, which is essentially a weapon that will destroy the entire planet with a single shot. Or, and then it's all the little birdies, all the little fishies, all the trees. In other words, a beautiful, wonderful world with a bright future with beneficial technology. And there are two factions within the CIA. One faction wants the gun. One faction wants the good earth. Belushi's with the good earth people. Well, don't give up too much more if we're going to put it on the list. No, 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 no. This isn't giving out too much. All right. Trust me, this is not giving out too much. Jim Belushi gets John Ritter because all that the aliens want is a glass of water. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) And the agent that has to give them the glass of water is a dead ringer for John Ritter. (laughs) And the bad guys kill the John Ritter agent. Oh my God. And so Belushi's got to get him across the United States in time because they were doing a, a a trial run on the water delivery and the glass of water. And uh, that's when he gets killed. And so we don't have time for a trial run. We just got to get the glass, and we got to get this guy at the right place at the right time to give them the glass of water first, or the other people are going to get the big gun. And in the process of, John Ritter and Jim Belushi have bonding, and you get to see what real men are. Okay. And that's it. Well, it's on the list. Tell me it's number 69. But actually, that would be 70. I think you threw in 69 with Event Horizon. I think we were at 68. Well, but we just did one. Yeah, but I thought we were just keeping the overall list. We are keeping the overall list, but we can't include... But you'll like, you'll like Real Men. This one's from, God, I don't know, the 80s? 
Yeah, probably. If it's got John Ritter and Jim Belushi, that's that's about their time. So, All yeah, right. you'll see big hair and shoulder pads. All right, but we got one more award. Two well, more no, we got the player award, and we got the purple hippo. Yep. Player award. Who you got? My player award goes to Mr. Ruby Rod. Yes, Ruby I mean, that was Rod. an easy one. That I was think the reason one. he's called Rod is that hairdo. Well, yeah, that, that penis hair that he's got. Yeah. yeah, he can work that both ways. <laughs> That's got uses. That's got uses. And, of oh. course, the Purple Hippo Award. Who's your Head Lush Award? We haven't done Head Lush. Oh, I'm so sorry. Head Lush Award. Hmm. I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with Corbin. You're going to go with Corbin. When did he drink? I thought he was drinking. No. Did he not drink? Oh, well, then I'm going to go with the with the mugger then. With the mugger? Okay. I'm going to go with the mugger. Because I thought he was like just drinking, just never getting drunk. He just always had something handy. But if we're going to do it that way, then I'm going to go with the mugger because he needs some cash. My head lush award went to assistant priest of Devo David. Oh. In the airport when yes. Corbin... Uh, caught up to him at the ticketing counter and he, he was a little despondent yeah wasn't he? he took uh what's his face he took bilbo's drink down it, and then got another one uh-huh. <laughs> yeah that motherfucker was right? drinking for bear yeah he was and the purple hippo award goes to the ground crew oh you're taking it you're giving it the ground crew for i'm uh, giving it to that rastafarian the yes. only guy without a respirator yep <laughs> well he had a respirator it was just in a paper filter kind of way. Yeah, turned into a bong. <laughs> My Purple Hippo Award goes to uh, General Statert, which is that first general in the first ship when they first Oh, right, right, right. Black He's, ball. We're about to destroy it, Mr. President. Yeah, and just towards the end, he was he looked like he was seeing the Purple Hippo. Yeah, I think he was about to have the Purple Hippo rub up in his ass. Yeah. That so, was not a happy moment. So once again, we do not concur completely. Not completely. On the awards. But that's okay. It is. All right. Now, why don't you randomize and pick a number between one and whatever? Well, I've randomized it, but I'm going to leave it to you to pick the number. Leave it to me? To we pick have, the number. You need to pick a number between 2 and two. 69. And 69. Oh, you make it almost too easy. I know. I'm going to resist. <laughs> I'm going to resist because it's too obvious. So let's uh, split the difference. You uh, do that math in your head? I'm trying. <laughs> I thought it smelled smoke. Oh, shut up. That is just uncool. That is uncool. So half of right. 60 is 30. Half a nine is four. Thirty-four point five. So let's just call it thirty-five. All right. Oh, this one's a classic, kind of a cheesy, campy, all-around classic. But oh, is it? Could it be Flash? Nope. 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 <laughs> it's it's definitely cheesy. Okay. You're killing me, Smalls. For the next episode, we will be reviewing RoboCop, 1987's dystopic crime-ridden Detroit movie about a terminally wounded cop that returns to the force as a powerful cyborg, 
haunted yeah. by submerged mis- memories. Omnicorp. Yep. Robocop. And somehow you know they're associated with the Umbrella Corporation. Omnicorp <laughs> has to be. And wouldn't it be great if they have a shared server called Skynet? We got this. Yes, everything is linked. Oh, my heavens. All we need now is a large, tall, dark tower. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, it's too bad that's more fantasy than sci-fi. Oh, that sucks. We could have done... Well, but it's in books, and the movie kind of sucked anyway, but... Yeah, but I have been told by people that have not read the books that the movie was very enjoyable. Well, yeah, I guess if you haven't read the books, then you might like the movie, but... Yeah, the movie sucked. Of course, I in, in an example of this, I enjoyed the fantasy movie The Last Airbender. I liked it. I had seen some of the cartoons off and on with my son in passing. And I thought it was a very pleasant and enjoyable movie. But my kid and all his friends hated it because it was not right. They didn't even pronounce the name of one of the characters correct. Oh, yeah. And you, you another one that was like that, there. I enjoyed the movie, but I'm told also, you know, standard procedure, the book's better than the movie, The Golden Compass. I really, I've got the book, and I plan on reading it soon. It's one of my, on my summer reading list, but I really enjoyed the movie, The Golden Compass, and a lot of people were disappointed in that. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. It's a fun movie. It's fun. But all right, I'm looking forward to it, RoboCop. Dead or alive, you're coming with me. <laughs> Not to mention, I love the commercials. Yes, the commercials are one of the best parts. Oh my god, I love the commercials. Magnavolt. Lethal response. <laughs> yes. Thermonuclear war. <laughs> oh yes, absolutely. And of course the SUX six thousand. Yes. What was the mileage on that? Oh my god, it was awful. It was like nine miles a gallon or if something. If that. Had like a 16-cylinder engine. Yeah. Lots of power. Yeah, for about three miles. <laughs> All right, well, that's going to do it for next week, or for this week. Next week, we will be uh, reviewing RoboCop. So our intro and outro music is Welcome Home by Cambo. Prod call music is Snack Fix by Machette. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podchaser, and Blueberry. You can leave us feedback at smokinganddrinkinginspace.com, on Twitter at saddest at underscore podcast, or email us at smokinganddrinkinginspace at outlook.com. This is Jason. This has been Red. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Enjoyed it.